Insights on Responsible Business is a podcast about organizations building trust, security, and resilience to thrive in an era of stakeholder capitalism. Our host, Sir Rob Wainwright, talks with business leaders and experts about their experiences in charting a new direction towards commercial success and greater societal impact. Our special guest today is Frederick Barge, founder and director of the Reward Value Foundation. Frederick has held a number of global positions for businesses and institutions at management and supervisory level on executive remuneration. In this new day and age, businesses, institutions and leading academics realize that performance-based pay, aligned with sustainability targets or corporate contributions, can have the best potential for long-term value creation for their organizations. Today, Rob and Frederick will discuss the principle of responsible remuneration and how the division of remuneration models leads to responsible leadership behavior and better social outcomes. Over to you, Rob. Thank you, Vaidehi. Warm welcome to you, Frederick. Well, today we're going to dive into this subject of fair pay and specifically the world of executive remuneration, where you're a real expert uh, listening to Vaidehi's uh, introduction. We'll be asking this question, is the system that sets, uh, that sets corporate pay at the highest levels fit for purpose in this age of responsible business? Well, Frederick, let's start with that big question. Are we all good here, nothing to fix, or, or are there some structural weaknesses that we still need to address? How, how do you read this? Well, thanks, Rob, for, for having me. And um, I think it's a great, great question. Um, the fact that you asked the question and we have this discussion probably already outlines that there is indeed... Oh, you're a smart guy, Frederick. You knew where yes. I was going. <laughs> there is indeed really a, a reason to um, to look at executive remuneration. And the reason that is basically uh, twofold. Um, I think on the one hand, there is the issue of what I would call the time horizon and the issue of what really gets uh, attention. So if I talk about time horizon, um, then companies really, when you look at their purpose statements, they really have a very long-term orientation and they have an orientation towards doing good towards society. And if you look at the uh, remuneration uh, elements or policy, then basically what you see is a more short-term orientation. So even though there might be a long-term incentive, overall, it's a shorter time frame. And it's very much focused on financial uh, performance of the organization only. Um, so there is a mismatch, what I would say, between what the corporate uh, organization would like to achieve if you read the purpose statement versus what the executives are being rewarded for. And that's an element that needs to be addressed if we really want to achieve the purpose statements that companies uh, have put out. It's interesting, isn't it? What are you explaining is this, you know, apparent gap or real gap um, between purpose and pay, if we can call it like that. I've heard you use that phraseology before. Why is, what explains that gap? I mean, I think we can come on to talk about, you know, how we might want to fix it. But, but why is, why is there a, that gap, do you think? I think the gap is there because on the one hand, we have held on to old traditional ways of how we remunerate executives. Whereas society moved on and we have now a lot more clarity on that corporations need to bring a contribution to society at large. So we move away from only a financial relationship of organizations between shareholders and the organization. And we move towards a relationship of an organization with society at large, including shareholders. Whereas 
executive remuneration has stuck in the era of being a relationship between the company or the shareholders and the manager. Uh, and we haven't moved uh, the way how we make managers responsible for looking after a contribution to society at large, but only kind of stuck into the world where we have a contribution to the shareholders only. It's really interesting um, explanation you give there and the parallels that you're drawing, because you're right, and it's the feature of, of this whole series that we have on responsible business that mindsets are shifting towards a more purpose-led um, agenda. And and we can see, you know, a, a real, a stronger appetite emerging in the boardroom at the executive level on approaches to climate, equality, other topics, for example. Um, and this, this idea of sort of then sort of dispensing or moving away short-termism, you know, which was quarterly reporting towards um, shareholders to something that is serving a longer-term agenda around a, a wider mix of of stakeholders, I mean, we can really see that. I, I've been hearing it over the last year and a half in this, in this Deloitte series um, from from different leaders. Um, are you see now beginning to see at least the same desire for change? We're not quite there yet, perhaps, but is the desire coming through now to to change also executive remuneration? I think the desire is felt, and uh, what I would call still at a relatively high level. Um, uh, and I think you have the same a little bit, let's say, in the sustainability area itself. And so organizations are still very much scared to be, let's say, front runners or be first movers. Um, and then be to arrive in a position where, let's say, your peers are behaving differently and you might lose opportunities to either attract or retain people in certain roles. Um, so there is. I would still say, as you see in sustainability, but also in executive remuneration, there is a tendency of uh, resistance. Whereas if you explain it to people, they understand that there is a clear gap between that purpose and pay and that it needs to be addressed. People understand that if you continue to reward leaders for financial short-term success, that they will not address the long-term relevant innovative inv innovations or, or let's say investments. Um, so I think people understand it at a higher level when it comes to actual making change, that is more difficult. And that's why I think what we're trying to do within reward value is to deliver research that also outlines and explains to organizations that first of all, change is possible, uh, that it works in real life and that it also delivers truly better value, not only for the stakeholders, but also for the shareholders. So you need to demonstrate that this is a win-win for all parties involved, including for the executives. Uh, and that element is really the core reason why we're doing extensive research to be able to deliver that proof and to show to businesses as well as to institutional investors that change is possible and it will bring valuable contribution. Well, I think that's exactly the point. You put your finger right on it, Frederick, I think, which is in the end, it doesn't come down to a choice between either purpose or short-term financial success. What we're saying is that a purpose-led agenda, as is also reflected in exec executive remuneration, for example, is the key to long-term success, including long-term financial success, of course. Does your research back that up? Yeah, so if we, we let me explain you a little bit what type of research we're doing. So on the one hand, 
if you look at compensation being a token of appreciation for a performance, I think the really first question is what type of performance do you want to reward? And in that, we're looking at what people call the long-term value creation. And that element basically has two questions in it. So what is really value creation and for whom? So in our view, whether you look at purpose, strategy, performance, or pay, it should always be a balanced mix of financial performance, but also non-financial performance. You want to have a contribution to the environment, to society at large, but also to the shareholders. So the performance we measure is by means of impact and looking at the impact the organization has from a financial perspective as well as from a non-financial perspective. And in the latter, basically, we need to monetize that impact. Uh, so we're using the impact-weighted accounts philosophy of the Harvard University for that, but to make sure that you really get in the same currency an understanding of the financial performance and the non-financial performance. Um, and that's basically a quantitative approach. You also need a qualitative approach because impact is a slow-moving element. So you need to understand whether companies are really moving in the right direction. And that research we do by means of artificial intelligence, looking at what is the company saying, uh, what they do about sustainability, what is the outside world telling you, and what is in their remuneration policy, and always link that back to the materiality map of SASB to really understand that the key topics are being addressed. Now, the key element then wrote is to understand what is long-term. So that's another study that we're doing to really look at the convergence between shareholder value and accounting value. And in the accounting value, we take both the financial and non-financial into account. So first of all, it is understanding what is long-term value creation. How can you link that to pay? So how do you really structure that into the incentive? And then you get to the next study, which is if you change remuneration policies, what does it do with the behavior of the executive? So do I create a different behavior? in support of sustainable long-term value creation, in support of innovative um, investments. So are we taking more long-term decisions? Are we taking more sustainable decisions? So how is that measured? So those studies basically will allow us to, on the one hand, test, is this really giving you a better uh, impact and output of an organization long-term? And secondly, does it create the change in behavior that we're looking for? And then the two other research elements that are important, if you would like to have a remuneration policy really embedded and be life for future, then it has an influence on the corporate governance and how decisions are taken with respect to remuneration internally in an organization, how independent board members are and all these issues, as well as what is the reporting needed? So what kind of mandatory reporting do we like to see in remuneration reports, both from a format and a content perspective so that people can actually really understand the full information but also be able to from that transparency to make comparability and to compare the outcomes with other organizations you're packing a lot into your research there and, and it, it sounds you're asking exactly the right the right questions but your research presumably um is is very well informed so i'm guessing you you are you are running that across a high number of different models and different companies that you've looked at. Yeah. So we're looking at a, a high number of different companies. Uh, we're also looking at it from different angles. So on the one hand, every study has a very clear foundation in the academic environment. So we're working with different universities and business schools. 
On the other hand, all the studies have also a sounding boards with people from uh, the, the market. So we have people from institutional investors, from businesses, from consultancies and NGOs to always look at, so are we analyzing the right issues? Do we come up with potential solutions that will also really work in practice? So the aim of the study is not as such to create a book, which is nice in the cupboard, but really to create a momentum for change, which uh, is convincing enough for parties to really take that on uh, and to make sure that institutional investors, as well as companies, are willing to activate this. And are you seeing that that momentum for change is, is, is beginning to bite now? Is it, is it, is it really happening in, in practice? Yeah, I think two, uh, two answers on that. So on the one hand, I would say yes. So if you look at the different stakeholders, there is really a true understanding. So if you look at the institutional investors, they all have their views on executive remuneration and they all see that something needs to be done. If you talk to directors of companies, they also see that they need to do something and they need to look at their contract between their executives and, and the organization. So I think the understanding of that there is change needed is felt. Um, but one of the things that we would also like to deliver, uh, so if you look at what reward value likes to deliver, it's on the one hand, the principles of responsible remuneration, the models of responsible remuneration, so companies can really pick it up and implement it. But thirdly, create the index of responsible remuneration so that companies are ranked um, on how sustainable their remuneration policy really is. Um, and they are giving also a rating for that. So that will stimulate organizations really to also make that change. So you will always have believers or first movers, and you will have people that actually will be laggers and, and they will change, but under more pressure. And the index is really meant to be that tool to make sure that companies really take this on and will make changes broadly. And it's not only limited to people who are actually already believers. So you already identified, have you, sort of first movers and, and those that, that sort of incorporate a lot of the good practice that your research shows. That's already apparent, is it, who the first movers are? Yeah, and I think you see that in some organizations where they have truly already taken elements of sustainability on board. And 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 it sometimes is, all dif is also difficult, and I think we need to be fair at that, um, because there is a lack of standardization when it comes to sustainability reporting. Uh, so it's sometimes also quite difficult for organizations to see how they approach that. So our methodology of looking at impact and monetized impact makes that a little bit more easy to understand and, and more transparent. But there are definitely organizations that I would see as front runners um, and that really take that on either from a sustainability perspective, but also from people that really take that long term view into account and really have longer horizons in their executive remuneration pay than you see in most companies. And do you see that in, in particular industries or sectors of the economy more than others? I mean, do you, do you, can you see a pattern emerging of where where the leaders, the first movers are coming from? I think on the one hand, you would say, Rob, the more polluting industries tend to also have more on sustainability in there because they're also quite forced by the, let's say, community among them. Um, so there are definitely, if you look at, let's say, um, oil or chemical industry, then you will see more measures uh, uh, coming out of those organizations than you see, let's say, in other parts. Um, you also see some developments in the food industry. Uh, so there are really companies 
of course, we all know Unilever, but there are some others that are kind of following that path as well. So the, the, there is momentum there. I think also, as we speak, uh, you and I were in the midst of COP26. Uh, there is a lot of things going on. The urgency for change is felt more and more. So I think also the timing is right to address executive remuneration uh, in support of that change. And uh, the model, this then trans translates, transpires into, you say, new remuneration models. Just just give a, a sort of flavour as to what, what the shape of that might look like to those sort of business leaders that might be listening into this. Yeah, and I think, on, let's say, there, there, there is an element of where would you like to be ideally, and then there is an element of how do you get there. So... If I say, where would you like to ideally executives really in, 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 in the top level of the organization are basically responsible for the strategy of the organization. They should by default have a long-term orientation. So in that model, we would look at a structure where you would have besides the base salary, basically only a long-term incentive. And when we say long-term, we really mean long-term being post the active period of the CEO and then winding down slowly. Um, so over time, and yes, the impact of the CEO disappears after his active period, but there are still some decisions that were made during the active period that still bring, uh, let's say, results in positive or negative um, after that period. So we feel that it should be stretched to a longer term. That automatically will mean that there is a different pay mix and it might result in a slightly higher base, but the majority is still to be defined in that variable component on a longer term. Now, obviously, that might be a big step for organizations to take, so there is a pass towards it. But in the ideal world, you would move to say, people in the organization that are responsible for realizing the purpose and setting the purpose and really have the strategic view, there is not a, a great deal of reason to focus a lot of their attention on operational issues and reward for that in a short-term incentive. So in that way, we, we have a view of the pay mix that I just explained to you, but we also understand that organizations need to grow towards that path. So that will be a process over time where you still might have a bit of short-term incentive in there, but you focus on making sure that the design of the long-term incentive is really linked to that long-term impact of, let's say, sustainable value creation that I just explained. And, and I guess building in also uh, sort of a more positive outlook on this. What I mean by that is when, when I was listening to you, I, you know, my mind was drawn to, to what we've seen in regulated sectors like the fin financial sector, for example, where indeed um, quite a lot of the incentives and, and, and the bonus payments are held back in case of later sort of comp compliance failures or something. Um, but 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 what you're suggesting is that we need to build in real incentives, not just for compliance-led sake, of course, but but for you know more, much, the much wider benefits of health to the the long-term value creation of the company and indeed to society as a whole. So, I'm guessing, Frederick, you see this as a very positive driver to to better company behaviour in the end. And and although what you're saying and the development in the financial uh, services sector. And for instance, let's say the clawback um, elements that have been built in in remuneration plans, and you see that also outside of the financial services industry. In principle, what you want to make sure is that um, a clawback has a negative connotation. Well, that, well, I think what you really would like to say, 
in the assumption that companies really make a very strong commitment in selecting the right people for their organization, that they want people that also subscribe the purpose of the organization. And if you believe that leaders really are long-term oriented because they want to do the right thing for the organization and for society, then limiting their possibilities by giving them short-term incentives and only on the financial side is actually blocking also their, their motivation. So by changing the remuneration policy, you could also see it from that positive angle that you are releasing the uh, motivation of executives to really drive the long-term performance and making sure that your pay structure is aligned with that motivation. So it's, it's bridging the gap between also, let's say, the financial motivation in the incentive with the intrinsic motivation of the leader. Releasing the motivation for executives to think about the long term. What a, what a, what a great way to sort of sum this up, Frederick. Thank you very much for, for joining me today and for giving a very, I think, persuasive case as to why we need new models on, on executive remuneration. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. Well, levels of executive pay, as we all know, have always attracted a lot of attention. Many argue there should be some sensible and ethical limits imposed on what anyone in business should earn. Others believe the market should decide in the interest of running an open and competitive economy. The concept of responsible business bridges the gap between these two viewpoints. The market is now deciding that purpose matters more and more to the long-term value of any company, that the pursuit of more responsible business practices will have its own rewards. And this is starting to change the mood around the setting of executive remuneration as we've been hearing today, with new models emerging to more accurately reflect sustainability and other social value targets in the way executive performance is judged and rewarded to connect better purpose and pay in this new age of responsible business. Thank you for listening to another episode of Insights on Responsible Business. We hope you enjoyed it and will tune into our next episode. Please review us on Spotify, the iTunes podcast app or whatever popular podcast app you're using and find out more on Deloitte.nl. See you next time.